All right, folks, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. Part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am excited to discuss this Denver Nuggets win as the Denver Nuggets defeat the Orlando Magic 119-116 in what turned out to be a pretty epic show as Nikola Jokic hits the game-winning shot in the final seconds to defeat the Magic, step back, game-winning three, the place goes crazy, ball arena just erupts, and the only buddy who isn't, the only person who isn't reacting at all in this game is Nikola Jokic. I wrote about it post-game on milehighsports.com. Make sure to go check it out. I called him a stony gargoyle because that's just kind of how I envision that reaction from Joker. He's just trying to get back on defense. He said, I don't give a reaction. That's my reaction. That's a hilarious quote. If you're listening to this on the podcast, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, welcome. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you're watching this on YouTube, thanks for tuning in for the first time. This is the first time this pod will actually go up on YouTube. The last one, as it turns out, was a test. And we are turning this one into the very first YouTube broadcast for the Pickaxe and Roll show. Got an overlay here with the court, with my logo. Got the banner going across the bottom that has Nikola Jokic makes game-winning three on it. That's pretty cool. There's some stuff that I'm going to try to work in stats-wise, some stuff visually that I'm going to try to work in in general to this show going forward. But for now, it's going to be mostly a... We're going we're gonna to test out some stuff. We're going to see how it works, and I'm really excited to do it. But in general, most importantly, we still get to talk about the Denver Nuggets, and now we're moving to YouTube and doing so should be very, very fun. But first, we got to talk about the starters. We got, we're going to talk about the bench in the second segment. And then third segment, we're going to do second half storylines because I know this is game 43 for Denver. They've moved to 30 and 13. How crazy is that? But now we're going to move into second half storylines in the third segment, talk about what the Nuggets are facing and what the rest of the NBA is facing as the second half really rolls in. But first, as I mentioned, got to talk about the starters and we got to start with Nikola Jokic. Actually, let's just start with the, the final play here as Nikola Jokic, with 15 seconds left, runs up the court, inbounds it to Jamal Murray first, runs up the, runs up the court. Murray's on the left side dribbling against Markel Fultz, and rather than run a full-on pick-and-roll, Jokic kind of approaches, realizes the way that the Orlando Magic are going to play. They were trapping Jamal Murray in this game. They were trying to not, not get the ball out of his hands necessarily, but make it difficult for him to get the ball to Nikola Jokic. And Murray was struggling with it for a little bit, and we'll talk about that in just a bit. But he gets the ball to Jokic, with about four or five seconds left on the clock, Jokic is kind of at the, the top of the circle, not necessarily the, the top of the key behind the arc yet, surveys the court, realizes, okay, I've got three seconds left. Let me just step back and drain this jumper. Steps back, creates a lot of space on that step back, gets the ball off just over the outstretched arms of Franz Wagner, drains the three, goes crazy. That was Nikola Jokic's only shot attempt during that entire quarter. It's crazy to think about that that is the shot attempt that he goes to in that situation. He's just got the utmost confidence right now in his game. 
and is very clear that in those moments, he's as cool as a cucumber, as calm as he can be. And he talked to us post-game about it, and it just felt like any other play. It, it wasn't, and, and he acknowledged, oh, yeah, I, I heard the crowd in the background. There was, it was a good moment. It was a cool moment. Really thankful for the fans to come out. He doesn't hear that stuff at all. He is locked in. All he does in that situation is zero in on the game, zero in on the basket, and whether it's a shot that he has to make or a pass that he has to execute or a rebound or a block or whatever, he's always in the right place at the right time, especially in the closing seconds. That's the key with Nikola Jokic as a player. He is always going to put himself into that position because he is smarter than all of us at the game of basketball. It's pretty clear. And his touch, I mean, he has maybe the best touch in the NBA. And he's a seven-footer. It's so rare for that to happen. Like Kevin Durant sort of made that a thing. He's in vogue with that, where you had somebody who's that tall going off the dribble, crossing people over. He does it in a different way. What Nikola Jokic does as a shooter, whether he's from three, whether it's a floater, whether it's around the rim, the types of touch shots that he takes are second to none. There are very few players in the NBA that have his kind of bag when it comes to taking those tough shots and can make it with the efficiency that he does. And he didn't need to shoot a lot tonight. He shot just 11 times, only once in the fourth quarter, as I mentioned. But he can go to that no matter when, no matter what. And he has so many things that he can do in that situation that the defense felt, hey, gave up a step back three. That seems okay. As it turns out, it's to Nikola Jokic, maybe your back-to-back-to-back MVP. So we will see whether teams press up on him a little bit more. He's shown the ability to put the ball on the deck, get to a, a floater, get to a a shot around the rim, whether it's a, a hook shot, a post-up, uh, up and under, whatever. He can go to a lot of different things in that situation, and it's one of the reasons why he's one of the most clutch players in the NBA. And it's really exciting that, of course, he's on your Denver Nuggets. Aaron Gordon deserves a lot of credit for what he was able to do tonight. Had a lot of issue at the free throw line. Had had various issues making one and then missing one, missing both. And there was a moment in this game where Aaron Gordon was three of nine at the free throw line. He had just missed his previous two shots in the clutch situation. I think it was last three minutes or so. And he goes to the line. The Nuggets drop a play for him with about 20 seconds left to go, 18, 17 seconds left to go. And he is at the free throw line, sets a couple screens for people, and then seals off his defender. Jokic feathers a pass in there with the Nuggets down one. And Aaron Gordon gets fouled. He has to make two shots in order to put the Nuggets up. And he had just missed them. He had just missed a couple free throws. And for him to be able to turn around and make two in the pressure cooker like that after previously missing two, it takes a lot of gall. It takes a lot of self-belief. And he talked after the game postgame about how he was just thinking to himself, I've done too much work here. I've taken too many shots. I have worked on my craft so much that there's no reason why I should be failing right now. And he put that mentality to the test 
and hit those shots when they mattered. That's a great thing for the Nuggets. It's a great thing that they have a guy like AG who can give you 25 points, eight rebounds, five assists, nine of 13 from the field and two of three from three. The five of 11 from the free throw line, that is what it is. Like Sometimes you're going to have games like that. And Aaron Gordon, that's probably the weakest aspect of his game at this point. But he's taking step back threes. He is finishing at the rim as best as anybody that is not a seven footer. And even then, like he's finishing better than some of those guys too. His ability to be the elite role player that the Nuggets have needed has been so, so big. And I'm so glad that he's a part of this team. If there is a second all-star that Denver gets, it's probably going to be Aaron Gordon at this stage. And he's earned it. He's earned the right to be a part of that conversation. Whether he actually gets there or not remains to be seen. Whether he whether the whether there's a spot for him or not. Maybe there's an injury replacement. I don't know. But I am excited to see what Aaron Gordon continues to turn into because he's like 27. Like the dude is still in his prime and he's learning. He's getting better every single day playing next to Nikola Jokic. And he has really embodied what the Nuggets have needed around Nikola Jokic in a lot of these different situations. So glad to see it with him. Next up on the list, Jamal Murray. Not his best game tonight. I'm not going to lie. I was I was surprised because I thought that this would be a good matchup for him with the way that the Magic decided to defend him. And he missed a couple open shots at the beginning of the game, shots that you would expect for him to hit. And there were some tough ones that he had to take, whether they were end of shot clock heaves, whether they were uh, difficult turnarounds where he was really the only guy out there with the bench at times. It didn't really matter, though, because... I thought that Jamal, the thing that I thought he struggled with the most was the ability to handle the pressure from the blitz that the Orlando Magic were putting on him in the second half. They decided early on in the game that they were going to try to guard him all all 94 feet with Cole Anthony, with Markel Fultz, whoever. But more than that, on the pick and rolls, sometimes they tried to keep the ball out of Nikola Jokic's hands by making the pass really tough for Jamal Murray at the pick and roll. And so there were times where Denver, down the stretch of this game, could not get the ball to Nikola Jokic, and it wasn't for lack of trying. Some people were like, okay, Jamal's ball ball hogging in this situation. I didn't really see it like that. I thought that there were instances where those guys were kind of not on the same page. And obviously, everybody wants the ball to go to Nikola Jokic. Jamal Murray knows that too. Like He wants to get the ball to Nikola Jokic too. He knows what he can do. So... I think there were definitely instances where they could have been better together, and there are some instances where Jamal was probably not as good as he could have been shooting the basketball, making decisions. But overall, 38 minutes was a lot. Never came out of the game after the... He he played the first few minutes of his stint in the third quarter, took a little bit of a break, came back in at the end of the third quarter, and played through the rest of the game. He's been doing that a couple times lately, and I bet he's tired. Honestly, that's a long time to play in a row, especially when he's a primary ball handler doing a lot of the heavy lifting on the offensive end. So he wasn't as efficient as he probably needed to be, missed a couple threes that he probably should make. But the good news is that Denver still won while this happened. And he did make a very clutch three. Uh, Jokic kicked out a ball to the left wing after he kind of record scratched on a three because he hadn't taken a shot in a while. 
and Murray steps back right behind uh, the three-point line and hits a shot over Wendell Carter Jr. Kind of a prayer that was answered. And that was a big deal. Denver doesn't win this game in all likelihood if Jamal doesn't hit that shot. So everything works out in the end. Not really a big deal. Finally, grand scheme of things, Denver could not be happier with the way Michael Porter Jr. and Kentavious Caldwell-Pope have played this season. Those two guys, when they have gotten into the game, have been invested on both ends of the floor. KCP, a little bit more impressive on the defensive end. He's a veteran, a little bit quicker, a lot quicker, and just a little bit more intuitive with what he's supposed to do. But make no mistake about it, Michael Porter is trying his butt off. He is doing everything that he can to get out in front of what a bad defensive reputation he has. And there are times where he doesn't stay attached to the screen or gets a little bit out of place. I think there was a really bad possession towards the end of this game where Orlando ran a hammer action out of bounds, uh, on an out-of-bounds play, basically. They ran a set. And Michael Porter was getting screened behind him and then just kind of gave up on the play. And that just can't happen in those situations. He'll be shown that on film and they'll ask him, what the heck? What's going on here? But he is going to get better as he continues to mature, as he continues to age. But the point is that he's been trying. And there are nights like tonight where he also, in addition to trying on both ends of the floor, Play some, uh, play some good offense, scores the ball, hits four threes in the first half, which gave Denver enough of a lead that they went into the first half with a lot of momentum. And that really helped them win this game. Without that, they don't win this game. He finished with 16 points, four rebounds, one steal, one block, six of 13 from the field, four of eight from three. And he was four of five from three in the first quarter or in the first half. Didn't finish well as a shooter in the second half, but I still believe in his ability to knock those shots down when the time comes. Definitely feels like the Nuggets even miss some threes that they should make or have been making. Kind of uh, not as efficient as they have normally been over the course of the last three games or so, but that hasn't stopped guys like Michael Porter and Contavious Caldwell-Pope from taking those shots and making really important ones. KCP in particular tonight hits a massive three, a massive huge three, when the Nuggets were down four with about 90 seconds left to go. Transition opportunity, KCP's dribbling the ball at the floor, realizes that nobody has picked him up at the three-point line, and takes a very important, very ballsy shot. Hits it, cuts the deficit to one, and gives Denver a chance in those situations. KCP also had a couple steals and a block, has been very good on the defensive side of the ball in a lot of times where Denver hasn't been very good. It's really easy to see what KCP is doing when some of the other breakdowns have been happening. So KCP has brought a lot of professionalism, a lot of excitement to the way that the Nuggets have needed a role player around, and he's doing it in, indiv- in very interesting ways, not necessarily ways that you would expect either, uh, has been a better passer than I think people give credit for, has been a better finisher than I think people give credit for. But the defense has been versatile, and the three-point shooting has been excellent. Just 
everything the Nuggets could have dreamed and more. And those were the starters. Good minutes for all of them. Murray was a minus nine because he was staggering with the bench. We will talk about that for sure. For now, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to discuss that bench unit and some of the things that went wrong with that unit. It wasn't a wasn't all sunshine and rainbows, I don't think. But first, everybody, this podcast is brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. Gotta love Superbook. They're going to give you three decades of sports wagering experience in Las Vegas, and you will get a chance to bet your money in this 2023 new year on any of the games that you want, but especially the football games, the wild card weekend that has been playing over the course of this weekend. Get the best odds anywhere as we head into those football playoffs. Plus, check out their special odds boosts and promotions at Superbook.com. Make 2023 the year when you win money from Vegas. Download the Superbook Sports app now and place your bets. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back at Pickaxe and Roll. back. Big X and Roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support on the podcast. As always, a rating and review would be awesome. But if you're interested, comment on YouTube now where you can share any of your thoughts. I'll be following along on the premiere when this goes up on Monday morning. So make sure to send in your comments. And I'm very curious to see what you have to say. All right, let's get into the bench lineup. Let's talk about the guys that played tonight. Initially, the Nuggets went with a nine-man rotation once again. Vlaco Chanchar was a late scratch. So what the Nuggets decided to do, rather than play a very small lineup, rather than stagger either Aaron Gordon or Michael Porter with the second unit, which they would have done had it been a, a very mandatory game that they win, uh, they decide to go with Bones Highland, Jamal Murray, Bruce Brown, and then moved Zeke Naji from center to power forward and played DeAndre Jordan in Zeke Naji's place, effectively replacing Vlatko with a guy in Zeke Naji who is a little bit more of a an offensive rebounder type, maybe a little bit more switchable on the defensive end, uh, but in general, uh, not necessarily the most like connective player. And I thought that was okay. It wasn't great. I think that Zeke himself was fine. There were some good plays, especially in the first half. I thought that he defended a guy like Paolo Bancaro pretty well. In the second half, though, he got switched on to Mo, Mo Wagner a couple times, and those possessions were not good. Uh, Mo Wagner in this game was a plus 13, and his line wasn't even that great. He had eight points, two of six from the field, oh, four from three, four of five from the free throw line. But he was a plus 13 because of the impact he was having when playing with his brother Franz and playing with Bol Bol. All of those guys together, the big, tall lineup that they put out there was super, super helpful for that group. And Denver couldn't really match up with it that well. They had a couple of times where they tried, but most of the time it felt like Denver was struggling to find good matchups for the defensive end of the floor with that bench unit. And then Bones Highland goes down and he's replaced by 
Christian Brown. We'll get to that in just a little bit. But I think that really affected the second half in a lot of ways. Let's start with Bones Highland, though, while we're on that topic. Bones, in his nine minutes tonight, four points, three assists, one steal. The steal that he had was really impressive. He actually picked off a pass and then set up Jamal Murray in transition for a big dunk. Uh, Bones, two of five from the field, oh of three from three. A couple of the, the field goals that he had were pretty good. Uh, in general, though, like three assists, one steal, I thought his playmaking was pretty good tonight. Not necessarily the best that I've ever seen it from him, but he was pretty good. And he was a plus two. The Nuggets were pretty capable while he was out there. And their their bench was holding steady at that point. It wasn't an issue. Unfortunately, Bones rolls an ankle, sprains his, I think it was his left ankle. It might have been his right, though. Uh, one of them and was questionable to return. And once that happened, I feel like the momentum of the game kind of shifted a little bit. Denver stabilized with their starters, but when the bench had to come back out there, you had Jamal at the point guard as opposed to the two, and then you had Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, Zeke Naji, and DeAndre Jordan. And something that's really stood out with that bench group over the course of these past few games, Bones, is that if Jamal doesn't have it, he could pass it to Bones. And Bones can run some offense. And vice versa. Those guys really helped out each other. So when you go to a bench group that has just Jamal kind of running things, he had some good plays. He had a nice turnaround jumper from the post. Uh, He had some creative shots from three. Bruce Brown had a couple of plays as an isolation guy. But in general, I thought Denver's bench was not very good. And most of it came on runouts in transition. And then in the half court, in defensively, it was really, really tough to watch. DeAndre Jordan in general, I thought was really bad tonight. And it's just one of those situations where you don't want to overly blame any one player for not getting up for the magic. But DeAndre Jordan wasn't really up for the magic matchup. He was jumping everywhere, getting out of position, fouling a lot. He committed four fouls in 13 minutes. And Missed both free throws that he attempted, didn't have a steal or a block, just wasn't really the rim protector that the Nuggets needed. And then when they decided to go zone, he got caught out of position in the zone several times. And that's not good. That's just not a good situation for the Nuggets to be in. DeAndre Jordan is not a zone center. He's not somebody that you're supposed to put in the zone. You're supposed to have him as a rim protector, guarding the opposing team's big. And that just wasn't really a thing that Denver could do tonight. They were getting torched. They were getting cooked in a lot of different ways. And it wasn't just DeAndre Jordan. I thought that Zeke Naji in the second half had a pretty bad defensive half. I thought Christian Brown got caught behind the play a couple times. And like Bruce Brown got back cut. Jamal Murray was fine on the defensive end. Didn't really stand out one way or the other. But it sort of feels like when Denver lost Bones, they kind of lost some of that momentum that they had been building. So a lot of Nuggets fans, and I count myself among that group, have been pretty hard on Bones for most of this season. But when you see it without him, I think you can see, okay, there are some reasons as to why that has been happening. And it could be hard to create all of that offense and put that all on your shoulders especially when guys like Christian Brown, Zeke Naji, DeAndre Jordan are not going to create for themselves for the most part. Now, I will give credit for Christian Brown 
he did come into the game and immediately provided a nice boost in the third quarter. The third quarter, especially when he was out there with the starters, he looked pretty good. He was playing really, really well. And that was an exciting prospect. That was an exciting thing to see. Uh, Went in and immediately grabbed two offensive rebounds and had a nice vertical cut from Nikola Jokic and finished with a dunk that forced a timeout from the Orlando Magic. And then he also had a nice floater in that fourth quarter on a kind of a buzzer beating floater right at the end of the shot clock. And that was a possession where Denver didn't really know what to do. He got one dribble out of the corner and found a way to hit the hit the floater from a really tough angle, tough distance. And I would like to see him continue to be more aggressive like that, especially if the Nuggets don't have bones for a while. That is going to be a situation where they are trying to figure out who's best. They're trying to figure out who can play with that group. Bruce Brown... Not necessarily the passer that I think people were hoping for. Uh, Not necessarily the creator in general, especially when it's not with Nikola Jokic. Uh, Christian Brown probably needs to find more passes. Bones Highland in his nine minutes at three. And three assists. Christian Brown probably needs to continue to be more aggressive and find ways to knife through the defense. And Denver's got to be able to respond to that. They can't just watch a guy go one-on-one break down his man, and then try to find an outlet when nobody really moves, when nobody really cuts. So hopefully Christian Brown can continue to work his way into that because I suspect that he may play a little bit more over the course of these next few games while the Nuggets are at home. This is their last major homestand until March, I believe. So Christian Brown should continue to get a lot of opportunities. And if he does, then the Nuggets are going to, there's going to be a little bit of instability, I would say. In general, though, I would continue to trust Flacco Chanchar when he comes back. That, to me, seems like a pretty easy thing to do. Denver has definitely missed, or they they missed Flacco Chanchar tonight because of his ability to kind of be a pressure release valve for what the ball handler always deals with. Flacco's a capable dribbler. He's a capable passer, creator for others. Not really going to go off the dribble that much as a scorer. But he likes to facilitate, get into another DHO, things like that. We'll hit a back cut every now and then. Just somebody who will keep the offense moving. I thought that Denver really missed that. With Zeke, with DeAndre, those guys are entirely dependent on what the ball handler is doing. And they can't really create for themselves at all. So you are hoping that there's another guy that kind of emerges, whether it's Christian Brown, whether it's Bruce Brown, whether it's... Vlako Chanchar when he comes back, I don't know. But I do think that Denver has been better with more creators on the offensive end. Tonight didn't necessarily go their way, and they need to be more committed defensively if that's the case. They weren't, and it nearly cost them. Like The bench was not good tonight, and they barely survived the Orlando Magic on the road. So we will see if that changes, but for now, it was a good win. 119, 116, Denver gets bailed out a little bit by their superstar. But sometimes that happens. For the most part, over the course of these last few games, Denver hasn't needed to be bailed out. They've been in that situation where they're always capable of putting up a run and and winning by 20, 30, whatever. Now you needed a close win, and Denver was able to deliver. They're great in the clutch, too. So it is encouraging to know that Denver can win in different ways. 
They won without Nikola Jokic the last game, and they definitely won with Nikola Jokic this game. So let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to go over those second half storylines for this Nuggets team. We'll be right back. Pickaxe and Roll Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Let's wrap this one up by talking about some second half storylines here as the Nuggets are in a great place. This is game 43 for them. For others, there are more. For others, there are less. But for Denver, they just played their 43rd game, got to 30 wins. They're on pace to win about, I don't know, 56 now, I think is the number. That's an incredible number. That is a number that I didn't really expect. Uh, they are in a good spot. And if they can keep winning on this on this homestand, they're going to set themselves up for maybe getting a second All-Star in the All-Star game, as I mentioned last, last week. Uh, they could potentially do some pretty impressive things. And they're the cream of the crop right now. I think that everybody in the NBA, they're looking up to either the Nuggets in the Western Conference, the Nuggets and the Memphis Grizzlies, or the Boston Celtics in the Eastern Conference. Let's focus on the Nuggets a little bit in this in this segment here, at least initially, for second half storylines. These are things that I'm watching. I just I circled three things that I am watching right now for this Nuggets team and trying to figure out, okay, what are they looking for? What are they trying to do? And how is this going to go? So let's go over it real quick. The first one that I have. Do the Nuggets decide to add another front court body in the rotation? Because right now, I think that's the one thing that if you're looking at the team, I think they trust Bones Highland to at least be part of their development program. Bruce Brown has been fantastic. He's a part of the the core of what makes this team a playoff team. But if you're looking for the rest, the Nuggets are still trying to figure out what the rest of the bench looks like. Christian Brown has played a little bit of three, hasn't really played a lot of four. Uh, when he did play four, it was pretty bad. Flacco Chanchar really stepped up in the wake of Jeff Green's absence. Zeke Naji stepped up at center. This power forward stretch has not been great, but he's still capable. And Denver is still in a situation where they, are, they have a 22-year-old on their hands and you don't necessarily want to give up on him. And then you have Jeff Green and DeAndre Jordan. Jeff Green, before he went down, was a big part of what the Nuggets were doing, playing about 18 to 22 minutes a night in that general range. And playing fine, I wouldn't say good. It was not as good as he was the previous year, but he was still doing some things, still being a connector, a veteran piece to what the Nuggets were trying to accomplish. Not necessarily a high-energy guy, but somebody that was executing what he was asked to do. And then there's DeAndre Jordan, who, kind of in that same vein, not really a high-energy guy, but when you need him to roll, he's going to roll to the rim. When you need him to protect the rim on the other side, grab rebounds, he's going to try, he's going to do it, or at least he's going to do it to the best of his ability, which, clearly waning, 
just like Jeff Green, clearly waning at this stage of his career. But you've got those four guys, Vlatko, Zeke, Jeff, DeAndre. Which of them do you trust? Which of those guys do you believe in heading into the playoffs? I'm not sure if there's an answer to that yet. And the Nuggets have less than a month to figure it out. They've probably got about three weeks before they really have to get serious about that situation. And if they decide that they don't like what's going on, they're going to have to be aggressive on the trade deadline. Figure out, okay, is it a four that they try to get? Is it a big three? Is it a small ball center? Is it a bigger rim protector? Somebody who could do a little bit of what Jokic does? I don't really know. What I do know is that Vlatko and Zeke, when they have played, have mostly stabilized what the Nuggets have done. But I still don't know if I fully trust it. I'm still trying to figure that out. And I think the Nuggets are too, if we're being honest. So something to watch for at least the next month. And if there is a trade, then you're welcome. Next, Jamal and MPJ have been solid. They've been pretty good scorers in general for this Nuggets team. How much explosiveness do they have as scorers? What is the level that they can get to as scorers? And what can the Nuggets expect when the playoffs roll around? Are they expecting big 30-point performances from Jamal Murray again? Or are they expecting solid 20 to 25 points and trying to do that as consistently as possible around what Jokic is doing? If that's the case, then they're probably still fine. There's probably not an issue there. But as the playoffs continue to get closer, that uh, that the rotation is just going to get shorter in general. Murray's going to be asked to play a whole heck of a lot. And I think that they're going to want him to go off for 30 every now and then. He's only done it three times so far in 36 games. Not necessarily the ratio that I think they're hoping for. He's gone off for 20 points in 16 games. And he's had at least 18 points in 22 of his 36 games. So there is a level of solidity that has been there. Most of the efficiency has been pretty good. Sometimes it's been worse than others. But in general, Jamal Murray has been a solid scorer, but not spectacular. For Porter, it's a little bit different. He hasn't really quite reached the explosiveness either. He's had a couple of 30-point games himself, but 20 points is actually a threshold that he hasn't really reached that often. He's only done it six total times, and that's kind of surprising. Now, he has reached 16 16 points. Tonight, he reached 16, and then in the previous, like out of his 29 games total, he's done it 17 times. So he's pretty solid as a third scorer in general. And Aaron Gordon, I think you could say, is a third scorer too. So if you're getting solid contributions from everybody, that's fine. But there are going to be times, I think, where the Nuggets are going to need 30 from MPJ, or they're going to need 35 from Murray. I don't know how often that's going to be because of how Jokic has been fantastic, but those guys can't play 48 minutes. They're going to have times where Murray is going to have to be on the court without Joker. Joker's going to have to be on the court without Murray. We know what Joker can do. There's no doubt about it. Can Murray go off and be efficient in the process? We're going to find that out. And I want to see a little bit more explosiveness 
from those guys where they catch fire and stay hot. That's what you really want for at least three quarters of a game where you can rely on that player consistently, get to 30 points in three quarters, and that just wins you a basketball game because it was unexpected, because it wasn't something that the other team really accounted for or even you accounted for. And then it gives you that extra edge that I think the Nuggets have been missing in general. Now, their offense is still fantastic. I do not want to denigrate that, but it's something that I am thinking about. Can those guys be explosive as scorers as opposed to just solid, which I think they have been, and they've been pretty good. That's all Denver has needed around Jokic so far. Will that stay true in the playoffs? I don't know. And number three, does Christian Brown fall entirely out of the rotation? I think we are in a situation right now where Denver is doing what they can to figure their stuff out. They're doing what they can to get Christian Brown in the rotation at times. But I have to imagine that they are waiting just a little bit to figure out whether Christian Brown is somebody that they want in there the entire time. I would want him out there as often as possible just because he's a guy who doesn't make a lot of mistakes and you want to see a six foot seven wing out there a lot of the time because that kind of player is not going to be taken advantage of that often in any matchup. Like they're mostly versatile and capable. Now he's a rookie, so I got to imagine that there's some stuff that he's still figuring out himself, some stuff behind the scenes that he's still learning, but I hope that he doesn't fall out of the rotation entirely. He just hasn't played that much over the course of these last last few games. So we will see whether he gets to that place or not and whether the Nuggets really trust him. But in the past years, Bones Highland stayed in the rotation because there really wasn't another option for Denver to go to. Zeke Naji fell out of it. Other guys, like Michael Porter, stayed in it because he needed to be there. Is Christian Brown somebody who needs to be there? I don't know. Guess we'll find out. Now onto the NBA in general. Three general storylines that I am watching personally. Between the Warriors, Clippers, and Suns, which one of those teams looks the scariest heading into the playoffs? Because if I remember correctly, there was a general grouping of teams at the top of the West that a lot of people mostly considered the title contenders. You had the Nuggets, you had the Clippers, you had the Warriors, and you had the Suns. Warriors obviously grandfathered into that because of their uh, previous victory. The Suns had won 64 games, and though they have fallen off this year, it's pretty clear that they, like, they're still dangerous. They can turn it around if they make the right trade. And if Devin Booker gets back healthy, the Clippers, everybody kind of grandfathers into this conversation because of their talent level, not necessarily because of their connection as a team. But I do think that all three of those teams were considered Denver's primary competition at the beginning of the season. Whether they stay that way or not, I don't know. I think that Memphis has really budged their way into that conversation. The New Orleans Pelicans, more on them later kind of getting dangerous as well. So we will see if any of those other teams, uh, any of the initial kind of thought of Western Conference playoff contenders can really step it up 
I think Golden State is going to go on a run. But they also just might not be as good as they were last year. Their bench, very unstable, and they lost a lot of the stability that they had with Gary Payton II leaving, Nemanja Bielitsa, Otto Porter. All of those guys were on the Warriors last year, and they're not there now. And they haven't really done a great job of replacing them. Dante DiVincenzo's figuring out his stuff. He's figuring out how to be a, an effective warrior in general. But beyond him and beyond Jordan Poole, not sure they really trust anybody on that team. So we're going to see what it looks like. We're going to see whether they can really manifest some wins in the second half. But I think if I were to predict a team that steps up, it's probably them. Next, which of the newish playoff teams are the most dangerous? You've got New Orleans, you've got Sacramento, you've got Portland, you've got the LA Lakers. Right now, the Lakers are not in the playoff picture. Actually, they're 13th right now, so they've lost three in a row. They had won six of their previous seven, but losing three in a row is a big deal when you started off the season the way that you did. But they are not that far out. Let's be let's be honest. They are one and a half games away from the play-in, and they have the same number of losses as the Utah Jazz. The Utah Jazz are capable of continuing to lose. We will see if that actually happens right now, but I have to imagine that the Lakers are going to make a run of some sort, and they will jump into the mix if everybody gets healthy a little bit and if they make a trade. Whether that happens or not remains to be seen, but If they do, then are they more dangerous than the New Orleans Pelicans, the Sacramento Kings, or the Portland Trailblazers? I think the Nuggets don't really, they're not really scared of Portland. I don't really think they're scared of Sacramento either. New Orleans is a different matter, and the LA Lakers have already beaten them in the playoffs before. It was back in the bubble, long time ago, don't get me wrong, but that did happen, and it's something that I think the Nuggets would remember. And the Lakers would remember, too, they would have some confidence heading into that series, thinking that they could score. Whether that happens or not, I don't know. But I do think the Pelicans are a team that has found ways to win without Zion Williamson lately, without Brandon Ingram for much of the season. And if he gets back and they find a way to put together their talent, then they have the capability to upset the Nuggets. The Nuggets would be the favorite in that series for sure. But I'm very curious to see what the Pelicans do. Maybe the Pelicans would give a team like Memphis a run for their money. Maybe they would give a team like uh, the Golden State Warriors a run for their money. I'm not sure if that's actually true. I think that they have, the Pelicans definitely have weaknesses that a team like Golden State could exploit, but they also have strengths. They have Zion Williamson, who is one of the best players in the NBA and continues to shine in different ways. Whether that actually manifests or not, I don't know. Finally, is anybody going to seriously challenge the Boston Celtics in the East? The Nuggets are 30-13. and They've won six in a row, but the Memphis Grizzlies have challenged them. They've won nine in a row and are keeping pace with Denver, winning every other night because that's what they've had to do in order to keep place for first place. The Boston Celtics are 32 and 12. The next closest team is the Brooklyn Nets at 27 and 15. They have three more losses than Boston, four games back. 
Milwaukee's four and a half back. Philly's four and a half back. Cleveland is five back. No team is really in Boston's caliber in terms of either point differential or wins. And Boston has really put together an impressive rotation where Jason Tatum's fantastic. Jalen Brown is fantastic. But they are a team that is continuing to load up and has just so much depth that they can throw a whole bunch of different matchups at anybody and have the ability to mix and match different rotations, different styles of play, and match up with just about anybody. They're a team that's given the Nuggets trouble, not in this most recent matchup that Denver played on New Year's, but if that is a team that the Nuggets have to beat in the NBA Finals, that's a tough matchup. It really is. Boston may be the best team in the NBA. I think with Brooklyn, I think with Nick Claxton, he's a defensive player of the year candidate for Brooklyn, but he just doesn't have the size and the physicality to match up with Jokic. With Milwaukee, Denver's done a good job of defending Giannis in a lot of their matchups, turning him over, walling up, doing a lot of good things. I think Denver can score on Milwaukee and on Brooklyn. Whether they can score on Boston consistently is a really interesting factor. That's a really interesting thing that I'm very curious about. Also is Philly with Joel Embiid and James Harden. Are they going to make a run in that Eastern Conference? I'm very curious to see whether they can do that. I know Kevin Durant for the Brooklyn Nets is out right now, but they will be around as well. Milwaukee, they should be around towards the end with Giannis, whether Chris Middleton Makes his way back, remains to be seen. Drew Holiday's slowing down a little bit, but Giannis is that great that he should be able to do it. But I don't know if any of those teams are going to seriously challenge Boston. I think Boston has pretty good answers for all of those matchups. And having great answers from series to series is the key to making it to the NBA Finals. Whether Denver has good answers remains to be seen. We're going to find out very, very quickly. I'm really, really excited about this second half. It's going to be very fun. But for now, that is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning into the podcast. I appreciate all the love and support. If you've watched the show on YouTube, give us a like. Give this uh, any feedback that you're interested in. I'm, I'm going to read it all. I'm going to try to make this as good of a show as I possibly can. We'll see whether that actually happens, but I'm really excited about the prospect. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support. Talk to you guys very soon.